Fewer ethnic groups in the U.S. have been harder hit by COVID-19 than Native Americans. It's killed them at over twice the rate of whites. The pandemic exacerbated longstanding health inequities. And a deep-rooted distrust in the federal government made tribal leaders fearful that members would reject any COVID-19 vaccines. But the opposite happened. Native Americans now have the highest vaccination rates of any major racial or ethnic group in the United States. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today's Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. Purdue Pharma, the maker of OxyContin, dissolves in the face of thousands of lawsuits alleging the firm helped create America's opioid crisis. The company's owners get immunity from liability. In Texas, nearly all abortions after six weeks of pregnancy are now illegal. And the CEO of the Sweet Green Salad Chain wrote in a LinkedIn post that the best way to fight COVID-19 is by eating healthier. He already deleted the post, but the internet's forever, bruh. Today, we look into the successful campaign to get Native Americans vaccinated. We talk to LA Times national correspondent Richard Reed, who has covered the issue. And we also talk to the president of the Navajo Nation about how his tribe has embraced COVID safety measures, both on the reservation and off. Richard Reed is a Seattle bureau chief for the LA Times. He and our colleague Curtis Lee have done multiple dispatches across the United States on how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected Native Americans. This summer, he visited the Fort Belknap Indian Reservation in Montana to see how the vaccination efforts were doing there. Richard, welcome to the Times. Good to be with you. In the first part of the pandemic, COVID-19 was just devastating Native Americans. Yes, so you're right. I mean, COVID hit Native American communities extremely hard. Diabetes and heart disease and a lot of other underlying health conditions are more common among Native Americans. So that meant that people were more vulnerable. There's also on, in many communities a housing shortage, which means that in one family you'll get multiple generations all crowded in together in a house. And that means the virus can just rip through uh, one family. There are tiny hospitals, little clinics, and so compared to white people, uh, Native Americans are almost twice as likely to get infected and more than three times as likely to be hospitalized. Yeah, for example, the Navajo Nation in New Mexico, Arizona and Utah, they've had more than 32,000 coronavirus cases and 1,400 deaths. That's a COVID death rate four times the national average. Yeah, it's it's been very tough on that uh, uh, community. You know, that's the biggest reservation in the country. The trouble is there that uh, you can tell people to wash their hands frequently, for example, but uh, 30 to 40 percent of the households lack running water. You and Curtis mentioned the Navajo Nation in an article in December, and this was the headline then. COVID-19 is crushing Native American reservations, but distrust of the government makes vaccines a hard sell. And the article came out just as the United States was going through the height of the second COVID-19 wave, right as vaccines were on the cusp of getting uh, distributed. What was the attitude that you were finding back then? Well, it's amazing. I mean, the experts had it wrong. Uh, they expected that this distrust that you talked about of the government, which dates back all the way to colonial times, would mean that a lot of people would be suspicious of a vaccine developed by the federal government. And they said on health issues, this distrust is especially strong because there've been all these atrocities. I mean, forced sterilization of Native American women uh, in the 1970s and other 
events that people is fresh in their minds. And so uh, even tribal leaders themselves predicted that people would shun the vaccines. Yeah, we'll be talking to one later on in the episode. So that was back in December, that story. And your latest story on the issue, here's a headline. Despite obstacles, Native Americans have the nation's highest COVID-19 vaccination rate. So what changed? Well, it turns out that many Native Americans do have long memories. uh, And what they do remember are these uh, devastating epidemics, smallpox in the 18th and 19th centuries. And so they have a real respect for what infectious disease can do to a community. And they also have respect for their elders and understanding that it's really important to get vaccinated to protect them, and then along with them, the tribal customs and languages. What were some of the ways that the tribe was emphasizing to their members, hey, you know, we need to take this vaccine to protect our elders, to maintain our culture and heritage? Yeah, you know, a lot of tribes used uh, native language speakers uh, in radio spots and uh in social media to get out the word. And so the, the whole point was try to get uh, trusted messengers out there. And that was very effective. And then, uh, you know, the conspiracies that have been going all around the United States, they didn't seem to really spread as much on Native American reservations, specifically due to these trusted messengers telling people to take the vaccine and really take this seriously. Yeah, I also went to the Blackfeet reservation and there was a woman there who put it this way. She said, Uh, We're Blackfeet first and Democrats and Republicans second. (laughs) So the vaccination rates then have just been incredible for Native Americans. Yeah, I mean, it's a little hard to tell because um, many people who get shots don't put down what race or ethnicity they are. But, you know, more than 100 million people have. And so those numbers suggest that Native Americans are 24 percent more likely than whites to be fully vaccinated. And if if you look at Latinos, uh, 31% more likely than Latinos uh, to get vaccinated, 64% more likely than African-Americans, and 11% more likely than Asian-Americans. Wow. And yeah, even in Alaska, you mentioned that Native Americans there make 15% of the state's population, but by April accounted for 22% of people getting shots. Yeah, people in Alaska really uh, responded uh, quite enthusiastically, which is incredible considering the you know, these vast distances that uh, the vaccines had to be transported. We'll have more after this break. Richard, for your latest story on Native Americans and COVID-19, you went to the Fort Belknap Indian Reservation in Montana. Describe it for us. Well, it's a community of 4,500 people, and it's in the plains of northern Montana. There's a little town at the center and some outlying villages. There are two herds of buffalo and this crystal clear spring at the base of a sacred butte, uh, and this road that winds through a deep canyon to sites where they have ceremonies. So it took the virus quite a long time to get there because it's so secluded. And when it did, they have just a six-bed hospital, so that was quickly overwhelmed and they had to airlift patients to Billings and as far away as Salt Lake City. And then by December, 10 people had died and most of them were elders. So the tribe was suffering, but by then the vaccines were slowly starting to roll out. So immediately tribal leaders said, hey, we got to take this vaccine. Right, and uh, so what I did, I spent a day uh, following a few public health nurses and they were going out into these outlying communities and uh, sometimes going to homes or just an outlying clinic uh, to vaccinate people. 
And they work with the Indian Health Service, which is a big federal agency that gets criticized a lot for being too centralized. In fact, that worked in their favor because they were able to go into those records and find all the patients, uh, find their ages, uh, know how to reach them, bring them in in order of age. So they brought the elders first and they even brought native uh, language speakers first. So it actually ended up being a success in that way too. I love this detail you had about the nurses that you followed, how the Native Americans there, they had a parade or they had a, you know, tribal days and the nurses were the grand marshals for the parade and they wore their ceremonial tribal skirts for that. But one of them then told you, yeah, we're doing it today, but we're in scrubs the rest of the time. Yeah, it's great. Uh, they were so persistent. And uh, Kathleen Adams, who heads the team as a head nurse, she carries a cooler on her shoulder. A cooler with vaccines in it. Damn. And uh, she'll see somebody across the road and run over and uh, start to persuade them to get vaccinated. You, you described it as gentle persuasion. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, the great thing is that uh, it's such a tight knit community. And so she'll usually know the person's cousin or maybe be the person's cousin. So she really uh, works on family connections and friendships and works every angle. You mentioned how the Indian Health Services, it's been criticized in the past for being too centralized. And of course, Native Americans dealing with the feds has always been wrought with controversy. So what has the federal government done in this case to get out of the way and let these Native American tribes administer the vaccine or at least try to get people to take the vaccine? Yeah, the Indian Health Service did two big things. First of all, it was really aggressive in getting the shots out early. And second, it allowed the tribes to decide on the order of people who they were going to bring in. And uh, I think giving them that autonomy was very effective. Yeah, that's something actually that other communities of color also say. It's like, hey, look, our communities, the United States government sadly has a longstanding history of not exactly treating community colors well when it comes to health. So these advocates are saying, let us try to have as much autonomy as possible because they'll trust us. We, as you said earlier with nurses, we know a cousin, we know a family member. They're not going to know someone who's coming from outside trying to tell you, hey, make it happen. Yeah, it seems to work. Have the vaccinations helped stop COVID infections and deaths among Native Americans? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you can see, and that's what I saw at Fort Belknap. Um, when I was there, they had no COVID-19 cases. So they're reporting that as vaccination rates have risen, infections and hospitalizations have slowed. And that's just what we were hoping for in the larger nation, of course, uh, till the Delta virus. But in these tight-knit communities, word of that travels. And so it leads more people to get vaccinated. You focused on Fort Belknap. You talked to the Blackfeet uh, Reservation. You went to the Navajo Nation as well. What are some other success stories that you've seen out there with Native Americans putting out uh, the vaccine? You know, up at the Blackfeet, it was fascinating because they uh, got so many vaccines so early that they were able to um, uh, give vaccines to people across the border in Canada. Uh, so these were uh, fellow tribal members on the other side of the border, but also just members of the general public in Canada before the vaccines were widely available there, uh, who were able to get them through the, the Blackfeet Nation. So they're seeing it really almost as a cause. Hey, like we were a community that suffered gravely during the pandemic. Now we're getting this vaccine and now our community is getting better. And now we want to help other people get it as well. Yeah, it's, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to report a positive story like that. Oh yeah, we need more of them. Richard, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you so much. After the break, we'll talk to a leader of the Navajo Nation. 
Jonathan Nez is the president of the Navajo Nation, the largest tribe in the United States. In the early days of COVID-19, the Navajo Nation had some of the highest per capita infection rates in the country. Now, 70% of all tribal members on the reservation over 12 have been fully vaccinated. Compare that to the national rate of 61%. Jonathan, welcome to The Times. Thank you for having us and yat uh, to all your listeners. And that means hello in Navajo. Thank you. Uh, my colleague Curtis Lee has done multiple articles on how COVID-19 affected the Navajo Nation. How would you describe what your nation has weathered? It's the same as what's happening in this country. Um, a lot of tribes as well have been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, here on Navajo, we've gone through this increase in cases that we're going through right now is our third wave while the rest of the country is going through its fourth wave. And I applaud our Navajo citizens for adhering uh, to the advice of their leaders as well as their public health experts. And what we've been doing is uh, following the, the CDC protocols since the beginning of this pandemic, you know, social distancing, you know, even though CDC has uh, said, well, you don't need six feet. You can go to three. We, we've always said six. Wearing your mask. We've been in a mask mandate since April of 2020. CDC has said, well, you don't have to wear a mask. And then they come back and say, you got to wear a mask. We recommend it. Here on Navajo, we've ha always had uh, a mask mandate. And uh, so it's just really following these public health experts without uh, wavering. How have you been personally affected by COVID-19? I've had uh, folks in my family, friends catch the virus. I, I've lost uh, uh, family members to COVID. And matter of fact, one right now is fighting for her, her life. You know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And, you know, our, our Navajo people, our Navajo families uh, have gone through much uh, over 13, 1,400 uh, Navajo people have, have lost uh, a family member. And it it's, uh, took us uh, some time to learn much about this virus. Of course, over 18 months now, uh, we've learned a great deal uh, from our public health experts. And of course, uh, lessons learned here on Navajo. And uh, we are seeing some very low number of cases uh, here now. So I think if, if you were to use Navajo as a case study or, or some example, wearing your mask, social distancing, uh, washing your hands, soap and water, and, and staying home. And of course, uh, getting vaccinated is key to pushing back on this monster. This past December, at the height of the second wave nationwide, you told my colleague Curtis Lee, quote, there is going to be pushback to this vaccine among Native folks. What made you say that then? Well, there was so much uncertainty at the time. And now that people have seen that the vaccination is a way to protect yourself and your family and your community, and I think also getting their questions answered by our public health professionals have helped bring confidence to the vaccine. And as you mentioned, 
over 70% of the Navajo people who live on the Navajo Nation are fully vaccinated. But it's um, great to hear that even those that are living off the Navajo Nation are following the protocols that we have here on the nation. So it's, it's encouraging to go uh, and hear uh, stories of uh, people wearing masks in border towns. And they always say, you know uh, who the Navajos are in the border towns because they're all wearing masks. So, uh, you know, family members or elderly have encouraged uh, our citizens to follow the public health professionals' um, protocols for pushing back on COVID-19 here on the Navajo Nation. What's interesting to me about the Navajo Nation example is that there's a lot of talk uh, nationwide about how to get vaccine hesitant people to change their minds, especially among communities of color. Uh, and this idea of what's more effective, shaming people or speaking to them at their level. And, it, and with the example of the Navajo Nation, obviously, you folks uh, chose the second thing. You know, information is powerful. And if a citizen is informed of of the vaccine, uh, informed of also what would happen if you don't have the vaccine. Uh, they compare the two and they make their own decision. And many of them have said, I don't want to go through uh, having COVID because we have had a lot of stories that we've shared uh, of people who've gotten COVID. And it's, it's no fun, I hear. And today we see it. We see that the, the vaccine, many of our people who have the breakthrough cases don't need to be admitted into the hospital. Uh, they may be able to recover within a few days, but the, a lot of the hospital uh, beds are being occupied by uh, those that have not been vaccinated. And we just encourage, and there has been an increase in vaccinations lately. I think people are starting to see that people that are not vaccinated are ending up in the hospital and they want to take it. We're talking, of course, about the Delta variant. So it has hit the Navajo Nation, but you're not seeing the amount of pain the way you were in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. Last week, uh, we had one day that went over 80 cases in one uh, in 24 hours. And uh, other than that, uh, we've managed to, you know, keep those numbers down and isolate those incidences. The Navajo people uh, have done a great job in pushing back on this virus. A lot of the things that you ascribe to the success of fending off COVID-19 in the Navajo Nation, like wearing masks, practicing social distancing, even washing hands and contact tracing, it's very controversial and politicized across the rest of the country. So what have you been able to do to try to fend off these issues that you find life-saving to become politicized? Our elders have been an intricate part of our success you know, uh, our, our younger generation do listen to our elders. And when we talk to our uh, elders, we talk to them in our own Navajo language. And we let them know that we need to uh, encourage our family members to follow these pretty tough protocols at times. You know, at one point when we were in the first wave, 
we were waiting for the federal government to uh, help support us, but uh, we just had to help ourselves. We utilized our way of life teaching. You know, I framed it in a way to where the Navajo elders uh, could understand. Uh, I used the story of our uh, hero twins. Uh, the hero twins at the beginning of the Navajo people being here on the earth, the hero twins were sent down to protect the Navajo citizens from monsters that were plaguing uh, the people. And monsters like hunger, poverty, old age, lice, you know. And, and today you fast forward, we have modern day monsters, including COVID-19. And so by framing it in that way, I think uh, many of our elders understood that this is not just about oneself. It was about the greater good in our communities, not just individual uh, being individualistic, but to protect your family, protect your neighbors. And I think that was key, not just here on Navajo, but in, in many tribal communities throughout this country. And I have to ask, uh, how did the Hero Twins defeat the monsters back then? They had the weapons uh, that the, the creator gave them. They pushed back on these monsters. You know, like for instance, lice means personal hygiene. You just have to, uh, you know, take care of your, your body so that no disease comes on you. Uh, old age and hunger, you know, you have to fend for yourself. You get, you get the tools, or in our case, the weapons, to provide for yourself that self-reliance, uh, self self-sufficiency, that bootstrap mentality. Uh, and, and if we can re, uh, reiterate that or um, magnify that in our communities, you know, a, a lot of tribes could uh, really uh, see and be inspired and, and to see hope within their, within their communities and even in their families. Jonathan, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, a dispatch from the U.S.-Mexico border on the Texas part of it. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Melissa Kaplan, and Marina Peña. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb. And our theme music is by Andrew Even. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us the Puchilla Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and desmadre. Gracias. <laughs>